people once believed that when someone dies, a crow carries their soul to the land of the dead. But sometimes, something so bad happens that a terrible sadness is carried with it, and the soul can't rest. Then sometimes, just sometimes, the crow can bring that soul back to put the wrong things right. everyone, welcome to the Torvis Podcast, and this is our episode on the movie The Crow. So last episode, we talked about Conan, and we actually had mentioned talking about uh, revenge flicks, and The Crow is one of the ultimate revenge flicks. Uh, It is one of my absolute favorite movies of all time. Uh, It's very apropos that we're doing it because we're in the month of October, Halloween is coming up, and uh, it's got an amazing soundtrack. It's got a, a tragic element to it because Brandon Lee, who started it, was killed on set when he did the movie. Um, it is everything you need in a movie, in my opinion. It's dark. Uh, it's got revenge. It's got violence. It's got uh, good vibes, everything. So we're going to talk about The the Crow tonight on the Torvis podcast. So as always, Alex is here and Jason as well. And the one thing about The Crow, which uh, I guess really hit home when I watched initially was music. Music is super important, I think, to a film. Uh, I'm a big fan of listening to scores uh, of music, as Jason knows. And Ambient Aria sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. It's got some great music selections. So the score uh, by Graham Ravel, who who did it, is amazing, but also the soundtrack to it is is super cool as well. So um, Bruce Lee's son, Brandon Lee, was the main star in it. This was his last film, and he was killed on set. So they had filmed about 85% of the film when he was killed. And so there's a few scenes actually on The Crow, which they had to... There's actually some CGI um, on the film, and I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. And uh, But they did complete it, and uh, again, his final film. So let's get into it. As a revenge flick, we had talked about this. I was listening to an old podcast that we had done and we were talking about we should do a podcast just on revenge flicks. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. we haven't done that yet, but we're going to obviously specifically talk about The Crow today. But what did you think, you know, when you watched it for the first time and kind of the, your overall sense of it? Yeah, I mean, well, I can very accurately tell you that because today was my first time watching it. Um, you know, I had heard you guys mention it before, but I'd never gotten around to watching it. And up until leading up to this I kind of was asking around and I was like hey have you guys heard of this movie and they were like it seemed to be a thing that anybody sort of over 30 knew yeah and I'm 27 so I, I just a couple of years escaped me generationally yeah um and 
I'd heard a lot of like misconceptions about it too. I'd heard that it was a vampire movie, so I went in with some weird stuff yeah. beforehand. Um, but as soon as I started watching it, the intro immediately gripped me. Just that creepy child voice, sort of just calmly explaining the scenario about the myth behind the crows. Uh, really, just set so the tone cool. yeah. for the entire thing, and it's. Uh, it's much darker, but in the same way that the labyrinth sort of gripped me with its mystical <laughs> fantasy, yeah. this has that initial intro scene to me. And so just that, just that, and this is all just that first scene, and that really gripped me, um, and it just sort of set the tone for the whole movie, and then it got sort of darker and darker, and <laughs> it became very quickly uh, very much like a graphic novel. Well, it is a graphic novel, uh, right? And yeah. that, and that, it, it's classic to the same way that the Watchmen stuck to its graphic novel roots, and it was very brutal, very violent, very artistic in its violence. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, which was just awesome, and like there was a, a lot of cool scenes uh, when he gets into the knife fight with the first guy. He oh, takes Tintin, Tintin, yeah, yeah. and uh, he's the knife guy, never missed, kind of like bullseye, and they yeah. just, they, but there was not even a chance just deflects the first one. Second one coming right at him, just catches classic. it, yeah. throws yeah. it right back. Yeah, it was such a great scene, and it just and then it spiraled from there. And then he, uh, you know, obviously the look too was very cool for me, very Joker esque. That's just um, what I, what drew it to me because yeah. I've grown up with the Joker being mm-hmm. this big presence with that masked makeup style. Mm-hmm. So for me, that was sort of like he was very uh, like Heath Ledgery to yeah. me. Um, but I also liked sort of that manicness about his revenge. Like you, you, they're dead already, but they don't know it. Like he's very uh, sort of fourth wall breaking. Like he's this mm. primal force, mm-hmm. and that was really cool to. And we were talking. Story. We were talking before. It's like, what is he? Because you were like, I, I thought it was a vampire flick yeah. at first, and yeah. they were like, no, no I, it's like he's I, a revenant, I, I, right? Yeah. That's what I think. Yeah, Fiendfolio. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what was my first thoughts. So a revenant uh, basically is is someone who comes back from the dead after a long long absence. That is the basic and their reven- their revenge on dead. They're coming back specifically for revenge on the people who killed them. Yes, that's, that's sort of their shtick, rather than just reanimated for general evilness. And what did you think of the film when you? No, I, I thought yeah. it was great. I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen it. Yeah. Um. So my memories get a little foggy about about things and it didn't have the same impact as for me because 94 would have been 94 uh, much busier uh or not busier but purer time there for you um for the influence on on that but i can it still still echoes across as one of those really pure revenge movies not just in the undead sense but it's like you have that good justified revenge like this is a thing i think it was was a john wick we were talking about is that you can even get yeah you can even get someone who's really kind that once that dog goes you're like okay you've flipped the Some, switch someone who's you're, normally wouldn't be into revenge could be like yeah. okay go get him boy yeah that that whole <laughs> thing there and they bring it in there there's there's a few parts of it that are a little cheesy and then could use all like me his name being Draven is just a little too on the nose. It's like, duh, Raven. Hi, Raven. Um, but it's just, that's a little bit too close. But yeah. no, it's, it's got that darkness, but it's also a 90s thing. So it's it's that 90s where the 80s haven't completely gone away. So there's yeah. still a little bit of lightness and hope in the world. Yeah. So it's not a completely dark 90s. It's sort of the dark gray 90s rather right. than the completely black 
90s it hasn't quite gone in there and some of the deaths and stuff they're they're graphic but they're not totally graphic like no. they're, but they've gone back away from the 80s gore fest yeah. type of things yeah. that you would do the slasher gore horror type of things and they pulled it back but they pull it back further and then in the later 90s things will go in a little bit closer and it'll be graphic but it'll be graphic artistically rather than yeah rather than just gore for gore's sake like in the late mid 80s so it's it's an interesting evolution in terms of films it's, it's a horror film but it's not really a horror film because the monster is the hero yes so, yeah the, it's an interesting blend of things the so there's four there's well there's technically more than four there's four i'm gonna say there's five main bad guys but there's like the four henchmen yeah and then there's the main the man, which he's called, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's what he's yeah. called. The man, mountain um, of cocaine, yeah. Face, uh, so the four, <laughs> the four guys that uh, that Eric Draven goes after the crow uh, is you have Tintin, who is the knife, uh, guy. knife guy. You have Fun Boy, needle guy, which is yeah the the heroin addict guy. Um, then you've who's got redneck. You've guy. got Skank, who's kind of like the dumb car redneck. Yeah, guy. yeah. Uh, and then you got T Bird, who's the leader. Yeah. Um, so an interesting and the witch sort of that's the creepy sister the half sister of the man right yeah and then you've got like henchman guy oh the that big black guy there too yeah, yeah. so um yeah. so one of the trivia so we had mentioned that um brandon lee did die in the film so do you know how he died no i don't okay so what had happened is during one of the uh scenes um a lot of guns in this film of course and uh, they use something, they have, um, obviously they're not using real bullets or anything like that. I hope not. So what had happened was, is one of the weapons that they were using, they pack it with gunpowder, but they make sure they, there's nothing, uh, there's no uh, projectiles in it or anything Just like that. Power, yeah. So what had happened was there was a failing on look at one of the prop masters looking at the guns. And what happens, there was a piece of uh, an object uh, that got wedged in the barrel. So okay. it was like a half shot. So it was a piece of plastic or something like that that was mm. in there. Uh, and then they put in the, the new rounds. And anyway, so it was, um, it was, what's Was the, it the boardroom scene? Is that where? I don't remember exactly where, but it was the, it was the actor who ended up wielding the gun was Fun Boy. And he pointed at Brandon Lee. And he had shooting. And so actually, above, it would be above the bar probably then. What do you mean? Fun Boy, that's a neat guy that got killed with the needles. The needles, so yeah. He went up with the... Um, mother of the little girl yeah. above the bar. Yes. So probably so in that, that in that, the yeah scene yeah right. Um, so but the scenes are like most movies aren't actually filmed in the order that you see them. Correct. On the screen. Right. So where that happens yeah. in the sequence, which I think was near the end that. because eighty five percent was filmed. So Michael Massey, who plays Fun Boy, he ended up shooting this blank, but there was something caught in the barrel. Ended up shooting Brandon Lee. Brandon Lee that tried to save him, and he ended up dying tragically. Um, and so part of the trivia for this is Michael Massey, who did play um, the, the part, he actually stopped acting for a year after the movie, um, even though it was not his fault. Mm -hmm. uh, he was so traumatized by it. Yeah. Um, and then he actually died uh, in 2016. But um, Michael Massey never watched The Crow because yeah. because that he, he just is like wow. you know yeah no you know yeah. um and there is a curse is the there's the bruce lee curse which basically if you've ever seen um curse of the dragon it talks about bruce lee and his son uh, so bruce lee obviously died tragically in 1973 uh and then there was basically 
a curse that they had said that uh, his family would be cursed as well. And then Brandon Lee ended up dying as well in 1994. So, or 1993 technically, but so yeah, yeah, uh, pretty sad. Um, But I think Jason's right. It is a dark film. And the reason it speaks, I I guess to me is because it has that, but it's that right. What I'm saying for you is it's especially for you because of your age and vampire came out Mm -hmm. the same era. Yeah. You're, you're that right it, it's just everything is right for that age. It was the right time for the So you're saying that was very like popular culture at the time then. Yeah. For for me yeah, and what exactly. I was, what like was into. That was that yeah. phase. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, so Jason's referring to a role playing game that came out uh, I think in 93. And yes, I know it's not a vampire yeah. movie like we just talked about. But there's that goth. <laughs> yeah. there's but that, Vampire the there's Masquerade. There's that goth yeah. kind of thing where it's that blend of the 80s aren't quite over. The 90s are happening. But we right. haven't completely gone through the evolution of that. Yeah. Um, I actually just found, I'm going to read uh, what it says here. It says, Brandon Lee, this is his death. Brandon Lee died during a mishap on set. The scene required a gun to be loaded, cocked, and then pointed at the camera uh, because of the close range of the shot. The dummy cartridge is loaded, uh, had real brass caps um, and a bullet, but no powder. But after the cut, the prop master, uh, who was not the arms master, uh, ended up dry firing it and Apparently, the projectile bullet got caught in the barrel of the gun. The next scene, they ended up putting in the... Oh, so um, they didn't clear the... Yeah. yeah. So uh, it actually says that the scene was filmed involving the rape of Shelley. So that's the opening oh, scene. Wow. Yeah, so right. remember, they end up shooting Eric Draven oh, okay. twice yeah. uh, in the front, and then they throw him out of the window. Yeah. So uh, And it's Fun Boy who ends up shooting him, and T-Bird. And so I guess that was the scene that actually wow. happened. So yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, pretty sad. So, uh, yeah, and also says in 2005, Michael Massey actually said that the one who fired the gun, he said he claimed he still had nightmares uh, after the incident. Yeah, so, that would change geez. your whole life for sure. Wow. So, I, you know, it is a revenge flick. Yeah. And so we were talking about Conan last time we did this, mm-hmm. and uh, that di- that scene where uh, he ends up dying, you know, the, the spectrum. <laughs> yeah, and he's and, looking at him as yeah. he's dying. Yeah, and so. Grom. Grab, grab me revenge. So I, I guess the the whole revenge thing about the crow is like how he goes after each of the four guys. Yes. And uh, then there's that scene where he ends up going into the lair of the bad guy, the man. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that incredible fight scene of him jumping on the table and there's all these uh, gangsters yeah. and they unload on him. And That then, was very Predator too. I thought. That's what that reminded me of just... Dropping into the midst of all oh, these right. all these super armed bad guys mm-hmm. and yeah yeah it was uh, it was it was really good so yeah. and every time I watch the movie I just it reminds me of it immediately puts me in that place. it takes you back to that time yeah yeah so do you think that do you have like a modern equivalent like what's a movie for you that kind of is like that really so, cool revenge thing that for me the closest thing that I would say that I was into probably at that same time that you were into it at my age uh-huh. would have been like the blade movies so it was probably like blade one and two yeah but that's just sort of more playing off that neo-gothic mm-hmm. uh anti-hero almost right like mm-hmm. brutal slayer but you know obviously blade was specifically the undead but also humans that work for the undead the <laughs> right. whole thing right yeah so and obviously it wasn't the same level of 80s content, right? Like that, mm-hmm. I'm not going to find something that really compares. But to me, it's probably the... It made me think of most the Joker and um, just those types of villains. That's really sort of the mm-hmm. connection that I make. 
blade. How about you? Is there is there kind of like you talked about mine? So mm. is is there something that when you watch a movie, it just gives you warm fuzzies? I have lots of <laughs> lots of movies. Um, and is it weird that but, it's a revenge flick that gives us warm but fuzzies? In terms of a revenge, a revenge um, one. Uh, I don't know. There's just there's so many movies that I have such nostalgia over. Um, yeah, I can't answer that right now. There's just there's, yeah. there's too many that would launch into it. Like I guess obviously like right now for me the the biggest like pop culture one revenge flick style is obviously John Wick. Mm. Right, so yeah, that that, that, that be, to me, like, your, like, your, your yeah, revenge, like, so. I, like, though the that's not really, even though at its core that is what it's about. Yeah. To me, I was looking at the artistic aspects of the movie and sort of it. I was more attracted to the '80s gothic vibe that it presented as opposed to just its revenge flickness. Like mm-hmm. that's what really drew mm-hmm. me into the movie, and that's what I thought its really amazing qualities were. Um, that sort of set it aside from the other revenge flicks. There's a, there's a cool thing about revenge flicks that the crow doesn't, and also John Wick does it, and a lot of movies don't. But you know, you look at the crow, and he comes in. Eric Draven ends up killing people, like kills him with his hands. He kills him with a knife. He kills him with guns. Like you figure, oh, he's a martial art guy. He won't touch guns. Anything that's available to him yeah. is a murder weapon. He uses, and yeah. I'm like really appreciate that. Yeah. And John Wick does the same. Yeah. Um, I I it's really tiresome to see those films where it's just like. Same thing. He takes the gun and he just he throws it out and it's like you and me. Like, come on, right? Yeah. Like, do an Indiana Jones. Indiana, just, I just said right? Indiana Jones. Yeah. One of the best yeah. movie minutes ever. So uh, I think that's a that's a great um, aspect of the crow because he does use all these different weapons. Totally. Yeah. Um, absolutely love it. And Brandon Lee actually said on set too that cocaine use was so rampant on the set. Really? Yeah, the entire the entire cast, everyone. What? Yeah, so the entire cast was, was that throwing. cocaine real that that guy was doing that? <laughs> Who knows? But oh. apparently, so according to Empire Magazine, cocaine was rampant on set, and uh, Brandon Lee actually said that uh, he made a joke that someone sneezed on set once, <laughs> and then Brandon Lee says he's like, "Oh, someone just lost fifty dollars." Right? <laughs> so it, it's it was crazy, oh, and you man. can kind of see like even like the. I mean, everything about that film is like dark and wet. Yeah. And uh, the backdrop, like when the crows. Yeah, it was super wet. That was one thing about it that it was extra. Yeah. It was pretty raw. It's the textures of it. That's what I really liked. Like there was no sun. I don't think there was, you know, there's no really daylight really. Right. And that's why I was also, as I was watching, I was like waiting for the moment when it was going to be about vampires because. Yeah, because you were totally so confused. I'd already preconceived that connection. And then I was like. This is very strange. So yeah. it, it really had that that gothic sort of Transylvanian aspect, but in a much more modern setting at the time, right? Eighties version, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and also those sets. Those sets were very small, right? So yeah, uh, apparently they did not have a budget for uh, some of the car scenes. Oh, okay. So they ended up using miniatures. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. did not notice that. Yeah. Wow. So these the kind of little things that huh. in the film, right? I'll have to you, pay more attention next time. You kind of and you had mentioned um, that when we were doing the Big Trouble Little China episode of like how you miss stuff, mm-hmm. and I had said that I had watched it a thousand times, Big yeah. Trouble Little China, and then I had I had seen something the first time when we all watched it together, and I'm like, why didn't I see that before? Yeah. It's yeah. because we yeah. usually focus on the bodies with the Conan one. Hang the, Right, because yeah. yeah. we usually focus on the same stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's nice to actually kind of look at the different things. And The Crow is one of those movies that I can watch multiple times. 
John Wick is another one that I can yes. watch. Conan yeah. is another one. Yeah. Um, TV shows like Star Trek, the original, like we mentioned this on the podcast. Yeah. I've watched it. And I was like, why do you keep watching the same stuff? So that's, so that's a question. Good. But yeah. why? Like, and what is the replay? Too, like, what's the replay value? But again, part of it, it takes you back. Like, when did you first watch them? What are they about? What are the things that they're about speak to you? Right. There's mm-hmm. things like that. So I think for you, largely, it's going to be that time. There's so many things that this this crow is a, is a convergence of so many things in your life at that point there that I think a lot of those things, like just the music, the culture, right. all that stuff is really a good time there. What, where, so what's what's a replay thing for you? Like, what, what, what do you find that you throw on? It's like, why am I watching I have some thing? things that are really, really serious. Really <laughs> yeah, like what? Like, okay, one of the stupid, it's got nothing to do with the crow, but there's this really cheesy B-movie battle beyond the, the stars. Stars. And I've seen that thing, I don't know, 50 <laughs> times. I don't even know why. It's, it's, what? it's, in some way, it's, in some ways, it's not, it's a, it's a horrible, not that good. You lent me but, that DVD because I had never seen it, and then you're just like, you got to watch this. And, I'm and like, it's like a, it's like a Seven Samurai yeah. knockoff remake in a, in a really bad B movie way. But there's just something that when I'm in a bad mood, that somehow that thing just yeah whatever. So I've got these different movies for different totally different yeah. times or certain Star Trek episodes that'll get me to uh-huh. different different. It's just weird. I don't know why that one came to mind. I'm the same really way. Dark gothicy. Yeah. Like for me, that sort of trend started when I was a kid. I really liked to watch like the same thing and kind of be doing it in the background. Like I'd play Lego, and then I had a computer in my room, mm-hmm. and I would watch these things on the computer while, while you're like, making playing, Lego. sort of right. And yeah. then you'd get this repeat thing. So for me, that was a lot of Star Wars, Lord of the Rings. Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, Indiana Jones like a lot of trilogies because I liked like to be able to watch, watch. hour long movies in a series while I played well, like things were going on sort of in the background um, and yeah I just the, you start to notice other things because then you've got it so rehearsed yeah. that you're like not focused on the story yeah, or right. the acting or the characters yeah, the first anymore. time like, you just follow the oh, plot hey, then look, you got that the tree then like, yeah, your yeah. brain has already got the all first that time down shock and value, you're like, you're, the story the whole job of the the movie is to make you a part of it and to grip you and bring yeah. it bring like you, you in, said right? the kid right at the beginning just that that voice bring totally. that's such a great model yeah. sometimes yeah and and for you to be able to really start to see uh the artistic things the set things and even the human things about the movie like the people that made it and what was going on in the background like one of my dad's favorite things is every christmas we watch um the scrooge uh christmas uh, movie, yeah. You've mentioned this on the other one, and then yeah. there's there's the guy in the mirror, totally. Yeah, the, like 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 the, the, the little, little like bloopers and stuff bloopers, like that, yeah. and like huh. people start to notice those if you see them enough times. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And even like that's obviously an outstanding one that most people when they see the movie the second or first time, even they're like, oh look at that guy, right? Like it's very out there. But there's other smaller. Uh, less noticeable flaws or details at something. Oh, like oh, is that the same set? Or I've seen yeah. that before, or something like that, right? Because they do. They, it's it's a business, and they make these movies, and they got to reuse things. Like for me, I would say that the fire is the same fire effect that they use in the Fifth Element and um, like the Alien movies. The fire element for what? Like when the city's like burning and like, or all the flames are coming out yeah. of buildings and oh, stuff. Yeah. It's devil's night. Yeah, it's very fake fire. That's yeah. that CGI effect yeah. is so um, 
nostalgic to me because when I first started seeing fire, it was like it looked like real fire. Right, right. That doesn't look like real fire. That looks yeah. like weird gas, like effect yeah, fire, yeah, right? Yeah. Like early Buffy the Vampire Slayer type <laughs> yeah. stuff, right? right. Like, it's like when we made you watch those other low those old budget, zombie movies, yeah. like the Living <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Dead. It's like if stuff, I took like two years of like and... a college course on that, this is what I could come up with, right? Like. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it was it was not very refined, but that's just where the technology was yeah. at the time, right? So and sometimes it fits. Like Jason and I mean, you and I talked about this, and you too, Alex. We were talking about how sometimes how they film something is actually better than CGI now today. Like totally. I'm glad they use models, yes. or I'm glad that they yeah. use a painted backdrop because it just it fit. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's kind of amazing, and who they get. Like circumstance is a big thing in movies. So Brandon Lee obviously played Eric Draven. However, he was not the first person to be casted for it. There was two people who were really? offered, but they turned down. Who's that? Whoa. River Phoenix turned it down, and Christian Slater turned it down. So but they feel like it's the best decision that they ever made, considering the guy who did it they got shot. shot. Yeah, yeah, wow. but I mean, would that have happened or whatever like that? Butterfly and, but Brandon, yeah, but... Brandon Lee was perfect for it because he had a he had a morbid fascination with death. Actually, he he owned a hearse. Really? Yeah, and he would drive around and visit graveyards and listen to the Doors music. Really? Yeah, like oh. he was totally into. Wow. Yeah, so there's this kind of whole. So he must. Of, they must have put him in his own hearse, then not another one for his own funeral. I, I have oh. no idea. Yeah. So I actually went. To I'm morbid enough that as soon but as you I, say that, I'm like. Well, yeah. But in Seattle, so I, I visited. So uh, Brandon Lee is buried next to his father, Bruce Lee, uh, in Seattle. So the graveyard down there, um, and I remember visiting in. I was there in '95, and. Huh. I was looking. I was looking. I was looking around for the graveyard, and I didn't know. I just knew the grave. Is there a raven on his tombstone? There is not. I knew that there was a graveyard around, and I didn't know where it was. And so I remember wandering around, and then I kind of looked, and I saw the back of these, a back of this tombstone, and I'm like, I think that's. I think it is. I think it's Bruce Lee's. Like I just had this feeling, and I walked around, and it's Bruce Lee's. Wow. Tombstone. Yeah. And then next to him, um, Brandon Lee did not have his tombstone up yet. He just oh. had a, a plot uh, with a plaque. Mm. And it was his son's buried right next to him. So, Jeez. yeah, it's uh, pretty cool, though. So, um, apparently you have some notes, I see, sir. Well, I just try to remind myself my memory is not what it used to be. So. Okay. I like the, I can't imagine that T-Bone actor, like the guy who shot him. Oh, Fun Boy? Yeah, Fun Boy. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, Fun Boy. Yeah. How yeah. he must have felt given the subject of the film the revenge like oh, yeah. this guy's gonna come totally. back a year later on next yeah, halloween and totally murder see you. How like you that's he there. obviously <laughs> not having watched the movie knew what the story was like he's the actor he read the script like uh-huh. he yeah. knows what it was about what was you know he's a pretty main role mm-hmm. so just that added level of eeriness about the film that's that's crazy it's, it's cool when these things have their own Spooky movies have their own spooky yeah, totally. backstory, the, the, right? Some spooky. Yeah. So I was going to ask you about the comic before I forget. Yeah. So did the comic come before the movie mm-hmm. or after the movie? So the movie is before. based on the comic. Yeah. Okay. So that's yeah. when the era of graphic novels was becoming a thing. Because before, graphic novels wasn't really a thing. They were just comics. They didn't get done the same way. So 90s was, was where graphic was a novels breakout. became. That's what yes. I'm saying. Is this convergence of different things. Is this is the era where graphic novels became so a thing. So what I remember of graphic novels, and it's a really important thing in geek culture. Um, I don't know if you were, were you into ever the graphic novel thing? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah. I love uh, The Watchmen. And fantastic. Peter Vendetta. Yeah. Great. Another one. Yeah. Uh, Sandman. Another one. Oh, Neil yeah, Gaiman. Yeah. Uh, really good. The Crow is really good. The first graphic novel that I ever read um, was The Death of Cap- Captain Marvel which was 
monumental in shaping me as a like a kid. And I think it was like I'm gonna say. 88 maybe it came out or maybe a little bit before it was pretty remarkable like usually we just get the you know yeah, comics know. tom you know so but, yeah. but th- that's one of those really like, really cool things but the graphic novels a lot of those movies waited until film caught up to what they could do watchmen is a prime example yeah they needed mm-hmm. to make dr manhattan properly they couldn't do it yeah. they didn't have the technology and so and 300 that's another one that's like they couldn't make 300 because they didn't have the technology yet yeah. until you know, yeah, and and just to really like again, three hundred is such a fantastic example because of the way the film was edited and even mm-hmm. the film style. And that's very comic so book, those, very freeze framey frame, like, things. Like, Sin like we're City, talking about Sin City is another that's fantastic another one. one where yeah. the style and Kill Bill, like oh, oh yeah, like, oh yeah, but Kill, yeah. like it's they're so artistically done that it. That it changes the movie because of the the medium that it was taken from. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, like a book, it doesn't have that same feeling because that medium transfer from book to movie isn't the same. Yes, it's mm-hmm. completely up to the director, and you're taking a director's opinion or style yeah. as opposed to the graphic novel. With a lot of these films, the transfer in that filming and the style mm-hmm. really shows you what that author of the story was trying to present to you right yeah but the brilliance of comics and graphic novels is they can boil down you know the picture's worth a thousand well, words like but like a, you know like a big chunk of film can be boiled down into one frame one well, thing on a comic what's the book. biggest problem really with the comics that is that they're too short that's the it's one of the it's the yeah. best and worst thing about it right yeah. is that but the really good comic, ones that's what makes them so good is that they, they have to condense so much yeah. into there and it's right. so yeah so condensed so Jason brings up a really good point, and I think this is something that is lost in 2020 and moving on. We we are moving away from the imagination, and that's that's why we love doing the Torfus podcast and talking about this stuff. Imagination is key. So if you look at a panel on a comic book, like I, I honestly believe this. As a kid, when I would look, I would have one little thing, and Jason said, "Picture's worth a thousand words," right? Yeah. Even though you there's so much going on, you just look at it, and your mind would fill in the blanks, exactly. and then it's like. It made so much sense, even though there was a lot of like. Yeah. It was not, like your own cartoon. It was like you were filling in the, the pieces. Exactly. Like, it was like yeah. there'd be one scene of the guy like them getting ready to fight, and another scene of him like punching him, and the next scene is like his face breaking and the, and the helmet off. And I would see him get punched in the face and his yeah. helmet fly off his head. And you wouldn't see the gaps in because exactly, your mind yeah, would be still a movie in your mind. You would still. It flow inspires you it. to be you creative to and chunks. to complete yeah. the story and sort of fill it in as you go. Right, and that's. A another reason why i like a lot of video games is you participate it sort of actively involves you in the story mm-hmm. yeah it's uh that's why i think they're so powerful and i think yeah. that, you know that's why comics and reading all that stuff is, is really good and it is nice when you can translate a graphic novel to a movie and the director actually takes that into account going this is the feel 300 yeah. was a prime example yeah. sin city was another one totally um but there's so many movies out there that have taken concepts that have ruined, absolutely ruined. So there's a movie coming out called Jiu-Jitsu. And I saw the trailer for this, and it's it, they talked about it for about a year and a half. And it's got Nicolas Cage in it. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. okay, sure. So here's the concept, Jason, because you're probably unaware. I, I'm unaware of this, so, so flood my virgin <clears throat> self with this. I know nothing. Jiu-Jitsu is about... Every six years, a portal opens from another dimension and an alien visits Earth and challenges the Earth warrior to combat every six years. So Earth has to pick the best. The best. So they decide to pick jujitsu fighters as the ones that are going to fight the aliens. 
Now, here's the kicker to this. The, the trailer itself has zero jujitsu in it. It is sword work. It's it's Tony Jaw, so he's doing like uh, like this Muay Thai, like everything. It is God. horrendous. So jujitsu has now achieved that state where it's generic martial art. Good, correct. So like they needed like, a it's, word. It's like, like the, it's like the kung fu yeah. and the karate, oh. and it's now it's yeah. just oh karate. And you yeah. hear the, you hear this when you hear people talking. It's like people talk about oh they jujitsu someone or something. People it's that true. know nothing yeah. about it's it true. in in general. Culture. There's a rap song now where he's singing and and it says like. Before you get jujitsu or something like that, yeah. like he, they, it's becoming this popular thing that even artists and people that are viewing our culture, yeah, it's such a prominent thing now that it's yeah. talked about, right? That's sad. If you're gonna do that, then you do like Bloodsport, the sequel, direct to DVD versus Aliens. Like, okay, you know, make it kind of <laughs> something to go with, but just this beat and do the thing, and it's like, what is this like? You know, do like Last Starfighter, some kind of thing, make it interesting and do well, it. It would be cheesy. I, th- I do think it, it, it would be more properly. acceptable if there was more good jujitsu videos out there and that recognized the jujitsu in it. Um, you know, like The Matrix, if there was jujitsu in that it, at all, that there would was. be such a good. Oh, there was. Yeah, I one line. Jiu-jitsu. I know jujitsu. Yeah, yeah. well, <laughs> but at least they, that's all they did. And it was like there, and it's like, okay, you know jujitsu, there you go. That's but what they never I mean. showed it's, it. It's constantly this movie that either has, when you see it, like in movies like John Wick. So good. It's, it's incredible. So and you're good. like, that yeah. is so jujitsu, and it's so modern Goshen jujitsu. It's yeah. scary. Like, that is so, that specific technique and those moves happened because people took what the samurai did. And turned it into that technique, but, modified it for modern day battlefields. But scenarios. they could do it like in a film. Like you always think it's like, will it translate? It's like, no, it translated really well. Like the yeah. fight choreography, some of it's unrealistic. I totally get it. But but, I mean, but John Wick was the nice one because it was refreshingly and Keanu Reeves with his gun handling also oh, added an so entirely good. amazing aspect yeah. to Whoa. it. So and and that's a movie where if he had just mentioned the brand or helped it in some way. Like, it's Steven Seagal. It was like, this is Aikido, Aikido, Aikido. Totally. Hey, Aikido. Hey, check out Aikido, 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 Aikido. Aikido. <laughs> right. In every single one of his movies. And helped out the brand. And, and boom, boom, yeah. boom. And he built this brand. Jiu-Jitsu doesn't have that. We don't have that. We don't have a Chuck Norris. It's always misrepresented. Yeah. And that's what's frustrating to me Bruce when Lee, you see this, you right? It's like poster boys that, that spread the, hold the banner up and yeah. rally the people. Yeah, so I... So I it doesn't think, sound like this one's going to be the one that does it. No, I think it's going to be, it's ridiculous. Like all the people in the jujitsu community are just like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. You know, um, anyway, getting back to the crow, uh, one of the things about the crow is the, the movie was considered cursed. There was a ton of accidents and mishaps that befell the, the, um, crew and things like that. Wow. Uh, so a couple of things I'm just going to read here. So there were several accidents to the crew, um, uh, which which led to widespread uh, spread belief that the film was cursed. So a carpenter suffered serious burns on his upper body during the first day of filming. A manual worker had a screwdriver get embedded in his hand. An equipment truck burst into flames. A stuntman broke several of his ribs after falling through a roof. A rigger was horribly electrocuted. A disgruntled set sculptor went berserk and drove his car through the props room, destroying it. And a hurricane destroyed several of the sets. Fuck. Holy yeah. so shit. The, now, did these things happen? And a guy died. The throughout and, the day? Or did they happen a guy only died. after no, the day? They, they happened throughout. Okay. Whoa. Just wanted to check because it's a, it's a... Yeah. Wow. So... Uh, I mean, you can see the film. Like, it's so gritty yeah. in, in many ways. Well, they, they have an interesting... 
<coughs> sorry, they have an interesting blend of it where it's, it's just gritty and, and low kind of thing where they've got like the grungy kind of apartments and mm-hmm. and scenes. And they have a kind of cartoonish thing. Like uh, when you see it's kind of like the some of the Batman things. And then what's that guy that does the cartoons that are... That are like super over the top. It's it's hyperbole things. or it's like, like a, it's exaggerated. It's, water, it's yeah. exaggerated. Yeah, just like the way that the place that they live in, just the shape yeah. of that building, it's so wonderful. It's like it's over the top, but not too far over. They don't go okay. so far. What about the man? That seems to be like to me. What about him? It's a little bit too far over the top. Like as that as a villain type guy, like just that mountain of cocaine. Yeah, like, that's it was not a mountain. Like, Scar- <laughs> Scarface laughs at your mountain okay. of cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> Still, it was just like he's this like criminal boss guy, but all he's doing all day long is just like his superpower must be like surviving he did, like, all one that line, cocaine. He did like one line. It's just like no, he was like he did like four while he was like having a conversation. He's hard, he's, <laughs> but he he was very cool because when he ended up killing um, uh, Gideon, the pawn shop owner, yeah, right, yeah, it's like so this crow guy lets you live, right, and then he ends up taking the sword and shoving yeah. it into his neck, yeah, and Gideon's dying there, going, uh, uh, uh. it's such an awesome line where he looks at his henchman and he goes, "Or oh, for fuck's sake, will you die already? Right, yeah. so give me your gun," and yeah. he shoots him, and there's no like he did, he just like just die, right? Yeah. I'm like. Yeah, that's that's a cold motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. He good. has a really great voice, and and I'm oh, not yeah. good with faces, but I'm telling you, I I know his voice from somewhere. Yeah, we need to look him. So you up. Need to well, look what's him what's up really what cool is it's sort of like that character is sort of such a hothead that he's taking instant revenge on people. He's just it's, if you've offended him, you're dead. Right? It's he. It doesn't. You don't really. He's such a revenge person. Even though you don't have to have truly wronged him, he just perceives that you've wronged him, and then you're dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and the man and the man actually he's referred to as Top Dollar. Right. That, that's his name. But right. he's now referred to by name in the film. Right. He's just. Yeah, no, he doesn't, yeah, doesn't yeah. need to be. He's just. He's the, the man. He's yeah. the Top Dollar. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. But and, it was a very creep. What made that really work was a creepy couple with the witch sister, whatever thing that really made it work and i think the whole thing with the they had some good literary things in there where they had like the eyes and they were burning the eye and the oh her the eyes are there. so pretty and the, and the eyes <laughs> yeah. are the, the eyes are the power the and if soul, you take right. if you take the if you take your eye take their eyes you take their power and so that's what he wanted to do was take the take the power from the from the crow and then she I can skip ahead to this part, right? Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So what I thought the, to me, like one of the more brilliant parts of the whole thing was, okay, the the crow guy is like pretty much invincible. You know, rain, rain hail, bullets, no problem. Ha ha. I regenerate really fucking super fast. And you're like, okay, well, fuck. This guy's all Mary suing shit, and nothing's gonna happen to him. But the trick to having monsters, I think we've brought this up before, yeah. is what makes a monster interesting is having vulnerabilities. We probably talked about this with the vampires. Vampires are super tough, but they've got vulnerabilities. That's what makes them cool, the yeah. weaknesses. So for the crow, yeah, he's really tough. But what makes it cool is when the witch chick mm-hmm. figures out, oh, let's get a hold of his crow. We take his crow, and then we're going to take his power. So familiar. But then it's actually got extra literary brilliance mm-hmm. where she wants to take the crow to take the power from him, which does make him vulnerable. But the crow turns the thing back on, not the crow, the character of the crow but the actual the phys- raven yeah. crow bird yeah. thing turns it back on him and how does it how does the bird take the power back 
takes her fucking eyes. Yeah. So it turns her oh, whole yes, back right. thing back in there. So that was that I thought was really great yeah. that it was like yeah. eyes power. We'll take this guy's power. We'll take these people's eyes. I'll take the crow to take his power. But then how does how do you get it back? You take her eyes and take your own power I'm back. I'm pretty so. sure that's one of the things that you have to watch the movie multiple times for because holy fucking shit. Like I did, I did not think <laughs> about that at all. Yeah, yeah, right. I was like, whoa, that's that's what. That's but you've only watched it once. Yeah, yeah. yeah totally. But I'm saying like yeah. that's the thing is like you can watch these things and this, this is what makes a good. You're wondering why you watch movies over and over again because you can watch it with the first one okay that's entertaining it's got a good plot but and i didn't even next think, time, i didn't like, think oh, back to that thing, scene yeah and i want to see like okay what are they trying to do with this what are they constructing where is the beginning end and middle of the story what are they doing here where is it going is there some little cool things how does the yeah. magic system work yeah. how does that's the kind of stuff that, that interests me so they wanted to uh they've wanted to remake the crow for many years and there were some sequels to the crow which were not very good there was a tv show to the crow were not very good uh and then in 2017 <laughs> slash 18 um there was the script was floating around hollywood again and jason momoa uh who plays aquaman uh and numerous other obviously uh, uh other movies as well Dra- um Dra- drago drago from from game, game of, of thrones, thrones. Yeah. uh he was slated to play eric draven in the remake now the, here- Dra- the barbarian yeah guy was- oh. yeah so he's actually a really good actor he's great and i'm like you know if he's, you're gonna, he's an awesome guy yeah. if you're gonna remake it that i said that's good and this is what this is why i really respect what he did he read the script and he found out that they wanted to absolutely butcher the story of the crow and how they want they want to really make it hollywood and they do all the stuff to it and jason momoa actually turned down the role and he left it he's like they're they're completely fucking it up. I'm not going to do it. And he publicly stated that? He did. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. he's like, nice. they ruin it. I was yeah. really I was really excited to do it. Because he now, wanted to do the crow, not this abomination. That's nice. No, like somebody's like, here, I'll drive a truckload of money up to your house and we'll fucking do this thing, man. Let's get her done. Crusty like pounding it out thing. like like we're just going to, this is going to be a money making thing. Yeah. Not telling a story, right? All right I respect like, him a lot more. No right? way. Yeah. yeah. Well, oh, he's, he, he's really funny. He does a lot of stuff on like... Uh, like late night shows and stuff, and yeah. he doesn't like Jimmy Kimmel, and he does. So he needs to be on Hot Ones then. Oh, oh he'd be great. I, he'd be so good. Yeah, Jason Momoa, <laughs> Hot want, Ones. Yeah, hot Ones. We watch you on Hot yeah. Ones. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's. Uh, <laughs> we'll go on Hot Ones too, by the way. He's he's one of those guys that gets involved, good. right, and 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 interacts with the fans and, and just the people on another level, right? And that's I think that's important in entertainers. Yeah. Sure. So uh, I really I really like that, and you know. They do remake too many movies, and The Crow is one of them. Like it's like, oh god, really? You're gonna touch? You shouldn't touch it. Um, but they they probably will. It probably will get made by somebody. I could see it being done really well, especially if they're like I said. If I haven't seen the graphic novel, but if there's a particular art or theme that they could copy a bit and use some sort of you know the same way that they did Sin City or something like that, and mm-hmm. give it a bit of a artistic layer. Yeah. So that would I, be cool, I think. I also think one of the reasons... So they, the, some mythologists actually look at Eric Draven uh, to be an avatar of Odin, right? And if you think about it, the wise Norse god, the, the ravens, the, the two crows he had, you know, who kept him informed. Uh, so they kind of draw a parallel yeah. to the Viking thing. So I kind of really appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, we had totally. that Beastmaster thing going on with the crow through the eyes and stuff when we talked about the sword and sorcery movies. That that was really cool having that animal connection there. Where you've got like that. Well, and there's there's very much a sense of like this omniscient, <clears throat> unstoppable force of revenge behind yeah. it. He's like they're dead. They just don't know it already. Like this is an inevitable yeah force that's yeah. happening right now. Or the good line with the cop with the 
with the gun. Uh, free, don't move. That one. Yeah, like, yeah. Don't, don't move. Don't move. Don't move. You're dead, and then I'm dead, and I move. Yeah, that's a good again construction of the reversal. with the things now. Another thing before I forget is for in terms of good superpower things, like, yeah. like he's an interesting character because it's not just a you know stock vampire thing thrown. He's not a vampire at all. Yes, I know, but I'm just saying that he's got some cool power. So when he's with the cop in the was it the cop's apartment or something? Yeah, and he goes and he and he takes the memories yes. from the cop, so he finds out what happened. That was really cool. Yeah, but then the second thing that he does is for the arch villain guy, he gives him the memories of the pain of his girlfriend oh she all at once so he can yeah. he can receive and transmit memories so this could have been a really interesting character true I, I didn't see any of the sequels yeah. or if there was more graphic novels and stuff if there's something that went on it's a character you could do a lot with it's like yeah i could role play this guy this guy's an, this especially guy's a especially character. if there was like it's just one force that happens one at a time in this yeah in this freak scenario this revenge being yeah. just jumps from dead violent death and it was really death. good to do it yeah. for the year you had to wait the year it wasn't like okay good you killed me i get up and i go go after no it was better that it waits and it comes in on the anniversary and it yeah. didn't really state it in there but you got the feeling that it was just for that night yes it was it, it was, was very it was pump, one yes. pumpkin time was gonna come yep. and if he didn't get the revenge it was be gonna it. be done i think it it's, was one of those it's, that a, he it's just a very that, good like karmic kind of movie you know there's like a sense of justice there's yeah. a sense of your come up and you know you mm-hmm. reap what you sow that's the the feel mm-hmm. and it was cool because uh, uh eric draven in the film he actually ends up reciting um the uh the raven edgar, edgar Allan poe in there edgar Allan poe yeah. um so he ends great up, poem if you've never heard it while i nodded nearly napping suddenly there was a tapping as someone gently rapping rapping on my chamber door so he does say that in the film did so. they do that when they were at the like the pawn shop uh yeah 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 the guy's door and I liked the character's sort of sense of mania. I liked the unpredictability. It wasn't just yeah. like he walked up and touched people and they fell over dead and he yeah. was this force of just, or it wasn't just over the top gore. There, there was, was a this, whimsical there, sense. Yeah, to there was this too. sense of sort of he was playing, he was like a cat, this merciless, fucked up creature that will like bat a bird around for yeah. four hours before eating it. Right? But like, they didn't give, like Eric Draven in the film, he wasn't given a uh, rule book of what his powers were. Like he had to, de- no, yeah. he comes out of the grave and it's like, he one to figure it out. I remember like he jumps and okay, he cuts so his fingers and says, okay, I, I can heal. I guess that will work. Here's the question. Is the Eric Dravis that comes out of the grave the same Eric Dravis that went into the grave or is he only part of himself the, or parts of himself? I think he. I think Eric Draven is only parts of himself. Right. It's I don't not, think he's complete. Yes. Right. He. I mean, he has. It's memories. It's like I love this girl. This yeah. is where I'm at. And this is my focus. Role. It's all focused around there. So it's. It's all about every aspect of who of he the was revenge and what the revenge. Yes. What he had, and so he knows who he was because that's what and was taken away from him. Correct. He doesn't even get his full. He doesn't even really get his full self back until he realizes what's going on. And, and you in, you mentioned the cat. Now, one of the interesting things is the cat. At first, he goes because he, he recognizes the cat. But the cat, the cat doesn't doesn't want anything to do with him. Yep. But then, after he realizes about, he learns more about his past and becomes more like himself, then, then the cat recognizes him. So you want to talk about when he's him. When he comes out of the grave, he's not him. But as he goes on, he regains parts of him right. when he's going through all the... 
all the different completing the stuff. revenge and taking the yeah, yeah like experiencing it again right yeah yeah even though the cat is isn't done right because it's too well groomed and stuff to be hanging out there but that's a side that's a side little thing yeah. but I, the cool thing about the cat <laughs> was that that's how you tell when he really gets his own self back yeah if you look back at that scene and you'll see that's where there's a shift where the Thing out of the grave meets back with but yeah. he ends up picking up the cat and the cat he gets that memory right. flashbook of the whole rape right. and everything but right but only the second time with the cat the first time with right the cat because the first time he picks up the cat is and it has that reaction but, to him it's because he is that very vengeful force that just brought him back he hasn't it's almost like this vengeful force becomes the person again it needs li- to reliving it needs to absorb the, the things of himself and that's past, why he had that the driven thing where he had to go through all those pictures and stuff because he has to regain himself in order to uh, and then when the he picks the cat properly, up again the cat doesn't freak out because it's like oh you're a normal person right? yeah and it's a or, or maybe it's because eric ends up getting all the memories that he needs and then once that happens it's like yeah then he reaches I, I, the threshold of being himself and the yeah. cat recognizes that and he so, only gets the memories by enacting the revenge okay so here's the question we we were right what are Eric Draven's special powers? Uh, is he a superhero? Maybe he's a revenant. Maybe so. We know. We Res- know resistance to harm, regeneration, memory, um, uh, input and output okay. transfer. Like transfer, he's, so he's, he's yeah. obviously like some. It's not. It's like limited telekinesis or my or uh, telekinetics. What? What is? What is Sorry, li- limited telekinetics. Tele- like. Yeah. Telepathy. 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Woo. Yeah. Limited. He's not moving stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. That's what I do. Okay. But instead of being like, he can, he can like read people's minds, and then he can transmit that. It's if just he a visual. Them. It's just visual. Yeah. Got that beastmaster right? thing with, yeah. the, with the crow in the eyes. Yeah. So there's that. Um, I mean, he's obviously impervious to things, as you said. Incredible reflexes, like when he catches that knife flying at him, like, whoosh, yeah, like yeah. that takes superhuman timing and yeah. a little bit of speed too he's very fast yeah it's pretty cool because like, also when the when if his first interaction uh with the police officer uh officer oh yeah, when he says like I, i'm dead and i'm and i'm moving yeah well he doesn't know what's going on right he's he's just he's like that. but then there's like a slight distraction then poof he's gone right like he's yeah he's pretty quick right like right. he probably just stealthed away but he's very stealthy he's very fast yeah he's He's not like your average undead that would just be stronger and slower. He's definitely like mm-hmm. enhanced, more spiritual. Um, one of the one of the great lines in there is when he's when he's going to kill T Bird and he tapes him to the car, and T Bird is in there and he's like he's like this can't be real. This is the really real world, you know. Like it's like mm, you know weird shit happens, um, mm-hmm. and this is a total side thing. So I was thinking about That's that. What we do. We, we really love, like, reality is cool, but there's things in reality that are unexplainable. And I love it when people who are so rooted, and I am a scientist, don't get me wrong, like, I'm rooted, but there's part of me that's, mm. So I started rewatching The X-Files, and I hadn't watched it in 20 years, being a long time. And I watched the first episode the other day, and I was like, I'm sucked in again. (laughs) What happened? It's good right from the first episode. It is really good. It's not one of those things where you're like, okay, we got to get through Encounter and Farpoint. Let's just (laughs) choke down season one and then things can be okay. X-Files, and it would be really interesting to hear what you thought of X-Files because some of those things would be so... I've only seen like one or two episodes. There's some good stuff. It's it's, good though. It's just so good. So let me me present this, that when you talk about that you're a scientist, but only to a certain point, I, I, I would say that 
aren't all scientists that way because science doesn't have all the answers. Correct. There's always going to be things and you always have to form these hypotheses and you always have to be testing things or coming up with things. So there's always a certain amount of creativity. Yes. That you're applying, even if you're a scientist. Yeah, I mean Neil deGrasse Tyson talks about exactly. This. He he yeah. says it's like scientists. Um, it's like well, it's unexplainable, and then Tyson says, well, it's unexplainable right now. It's right just, now, but then we, later, we haven't later. It might yeah. be explained. And a lot of the newer scientists getting into the quantum things and stuff. There's a lot more openness rather than some of the old harder science that's just physical. And that's the thing, like quantum. The whole changing quant- what the science yes. is changes it's so this is a good way to think about it it's almost like a game of broken telephone because we're using instruments to give us data but the instruments are reading something that are beyond our physical instruments to input data yeah so we're extrapolating that this other thing exists not because we are physically able to perceive it but because something we've created is perceiving it and then telling us through a separate perception that this is what's happening. Mm-hmm. So, for example, like a Geiger counter, right? By the time you realize, like by the time you're physically feeling the Geiger counter, like you're already dead. Like that's yeah. not a good sense pickup of what's happening, right? Right. The Geiger counter is that meter, and I don't know how a Geiger counter works. So I'm gonna <laughs> this. I was. I, I wish but I knew. I wish I had that right, part. But it detects something that isn't you can't real, real. But it shows you something that's. Real before you can sense things. Exactly. And and in the same way that, like, there's unexplained forces in the universe and we're Mm -hmm. just getting into antimatter and all those things. Electricity. We're just talking about that today, right? It's just, it's like, well, is it like a hose? And you're like, it doesn't work that way. It's not like water, right? Exactly. You can't always, there's other things that are beyond our senses. There are things that are from beyond. Even though we have a brain that can understand. You'd be able to sense. Them Thanks, really. Descartes. Yeah, but that, but that's, but that's sort of that that creative aspect is that we only use uh, smell, touch, sight, sound, and taste to perceive our entire reality. Right. There's a shitload more stuff out there than your than your sense, tongue and your right? eyeballs. You know, we're such an insignificant little part of this universe. Yeah. We can't possibly. Put put that in, in into quantifiable terms, you know. Yeah. It's so we're so much smaller <laughs> in the grand scheme of things. But that to bring it back to the crow, that's why it's very cool because it's like there's this like he's rooted in the physical world, but there's this these things that he can do. That's you know, yeah. it's it's nice. Okay, this is my dark my dark thing coming up. It's nice to have those avatars or those films out there of like the bad guys getting their comeuppance. Mm-hmm. Totally, the whole karmic effect. Yeah. It, because there's so much injustice in the world, right? Why do good, so, bad things happen to good people. So again, this is based to off have of bad a things happen to bad people instead. Graphic yeah. novel, which is based off of a comic, which is one of the best things about comics, is bad guys getting the shit kicked out of them by superheroes. Yes. They do bad things and the superheroes enact revenge. That's pretty much what it is. They're all vigilantes. That's just people doing revenge, but it just happens to have a positive turn. But here's the funny thing. When you look at the comics and that that's like general that's the general that's like the that's the thing that typically goes on. Bad guys do something, superheroes come in, kick the ass, move on to the next conflict, it happens again. Yeah. Could How you imagine I- if you told a Batman story from the point of the guy that Batman just fucking hospitalized forever because he like showed up to Penguin's crazy fucking scheme because he like went on Craigslist and answered this ad or something? Like, where the fuck are the bad guys <laughs> getting all these guys? They're not like a group of bad guys. Like some of these guys live in their mom's fucking basement and they just came to like yeah. make 50 bucks yes. because somebody fucking put an ad on Craigslist. I don't know what the fuck the penguin does. Uh-huh. Batman <laughs> rolls in and just fucking, <laughs> I'm not going to yeah. kill you, but like there's no fucking way that guy's going to like ever be the same again. Like he's breathing through a straw for six months yep. in America. He's getting soul crushing debt. 
You know, like, this is, like, the aftermath of Batman. Like, and, yeah, like, maybe that's one of the guys. The other guys were all shit-hard criminals, but sometimes... Yeah, there's a different side to superheroes. Exactly, So you right? should watch... There's a new a new TV series called The Boys. The you Boys, yes, that. yes. It's got some really yes. good things that yes. do some stuff with that, like the one guy's gr- like, girlfriend. But anyway, yeah. don't, that's a whole other thing we can go down that. But, so that's the thing. Like, we're talking about the comics, we're talking about The Boys, and we're talking about film, and all these, like, oh, good, the bad guys are getting their comeuppance right yeah and that's what the crow does so well is it shows that yeah but let's like move that to reality i think that's why people like revenge films because then they look at reality and they see all these injustices they see all these things they can't do anything they can't do anything that doesn't happen right and then there's like who who are the who are the eric dravens out there who are the whoever the anti-hero is we we don't have that because there's these parameters that we put in the real world yeah right and then there's commentary by like that's not moral you can't do it and vigilantism that's not good and and so we have to live vicariously through these films and these other things you know you know i I wish there was a guy like that yeah but the danger is is because they're fallible what happens if they kill an innocent right well there was that real life superhero guy you guys remember him uh in seattle yeah yeah and what happened with him oh I remember hearing about it because before, of legal but... things, and he was like shot twice and stabbed like seven times. Yeah. Like he was like, "This is fucking impossible." Like you, you can. Was it called the Phoenix? I think. I it think it was the Phoenix. Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like there's no yeah. fucking way you can do this. Like, and he had a couple of like. The problem is like there's not enough reliable people that want to do this, so you're gonna get some pretty strange people coming in trying to do things. You ever seen the movie Kick Ass? Kick, I was just Kick Ass. Ass. Like, Kick Ass. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like yeah, like sometimes you get Hit Girl and uh, Big Daddy or whatever his name yeah. is there, uh, but you end up with like a lot of fucking weird dudes like Red Mist at the start, right? Like there's some rich fucking guys who are like, my dad got me a car with some lights on it, and now I'm a super superhero. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah, and it's like The Watchmen too, like. The Watchmen yeah. is great because a lot of this like just normal guys. I got money. But also, then you get Rickshaw like or somebody where it's just like, yeah, no shit. A guy with nothing to fucking lose and like there's weird dudes. Rickshaw? Uh, Rorschach. Oh, Rorschach. Rorschach. Yeah, yeah Rorschach, Rorschach is Rorschach. great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. what a fucked up character born out of this like, and he he's not even a vengeful spirit. He's just a human being that was created out of this like cesspool existence of life. His yeah. mom was like a hooker, and it was yeah. just oh, it was awful. And his disguise is himself because he was nothing to the world yeah he just walks around as this bum and that's who he actually is and that's his alter ego his disguise yeah because so he good. lives as the super of uh, the anti-hero right so you know i ended up we're going to go into a dane moment here so dane this the reason i find that this film very cool so devil's night is when the film kind of starts uh and devil's night is when night the before. night before halloween and that's when all the criminals would set the city on fire. Um, it actually started in Detroit, and that's where the film was. So Devil's Night is actually a real thing. Oh, okay. um, And so Dane ended up passing away on Halloween, on, on Devil's Night, on the 30th. So that's why this kind of ep- this episode in particular is for him. But I had a conversation with Dane years ago about The Crow. We would talk about this movie because we just thought it was so cool. Mm-hmm. He was into the whole, like like the dark thing and the music was awesome and it was the visual i remember dane talking about the visual aspect of this film saying it, it was perfect it was like dark it was wet it had these red hue overtones like he yeah. would pick out these things yeah. and like super cool and i think there's this inner part of many of us that want to be that anti-hero that superhero you know like i, I would say that you know, the three of us at this table are not evil people <laughs> 
but we don't want to see e- uh, but you but we don't want to see evil succeed and and so true. there is that thing you could leave the evil to kill the evil you know you could you could do that you could sort of bend the rules because there's no way to win if you play by the rules yeah you know right. and obviously philosophically you could start talking as this like well if you start doing that you're no better than you know so this it just depends on where you end up sitting on that line but that's totally. the trick to doing a, a good revenge movie is you got to make it clear that this revenge is justified and you talked and about how the, the nazis were always there. a scapegoat and for like... nazi zombies that's the purest <laughs> yeah. thing that you can do <laughs> nazi fucking zombies if you can't come up with a good enough story to justify shit Nazi zombies, yeah. <laughs> done. There you go, lazy man, villain. Done. Everyone gets satisfied. Yeah, no problem. Like no kid's gonna get nightmares. Well, maybe, but like no. But that's what I'm afraid of. We're now in the in the realm. It's like, well, you know, you're offending the Nazi zombies out there. <laughs> and it's like, fuck them, fuck them. Yeah. The Nazi zombies, you kill yeah. the fuckers. Like, yeah. and I'm I'm sorry if you're a Nazi zombie out there. I'm not sorry because if we ever were in a movie, we'd be killing. You you'd be dead. You right? know, so. no one's gonna shed tears uh, for Nazi zombies. <laughs> Yeah. So to be clear, the, even Nazis are don't like Nazi zombies. <laughs> zombies. So there's, there's no sympathy anywhere around. And if they're zombies, they're not going to have sympathy for Nazis. So I just don't see Nazi zombies having anybody on their side except other Nazi zombies. It's, just, it's not going to happen. Well, but, but zombies are just zombies, so they just have to be wearing uniforms. So they're not actually Nazi zombies. <laughs> no, but they're going to hate. There's zombies, but it's still going to hate Nazis. And then the Nazis are going to hate zombies. Like, just pure Nazis are going to hate zombies. Yes. And pure but zombies are going to hate Nazis. So how are Nazi zombies are- any worse than zombies? They're not. They're Nazi zombies. <laughs> it's like, that's how you take it up. It's like, okay, I've got a Nazi. Yeah, well, I've got a Nazi zombie. Well, I've got a zombie. Well, I've got a Nazi. It's like so you can feel justified in killing it, and it's undead. In case you were worried about killing the little girl or the yeah. child, because that's a sad zombie. Like, yeah. oh, I'm taking yeah. this life that, away. Exactly. Like, so, is there if a you're cure? Killing, if you're killing oh, no, the original right? person that's pre-zombie, yes. you're like, oh, I feel sorry for this person because what were they before they were a zombie? They were fucking Nazis, so you kill them. Right? <laughs> and, you're like, and you're like, oh, I don't really care what your past life is. You're inhabited by this other weird thing and so i'm gonna kill you because you're a zombie either way it's you're a killing yeah. them so i'm saying that is the ultimate they cover each other's loopholes yeah they cover right? each other's <laughs> loopholes that's what awesome. if he was only a nazi on the weekend you know and he was just you know if he was uh, a nazi on the week even if he was a my, the pope I, was a hitler youth and you know, i like, contend that if you were a full-time uh, zombie and a full-time nazi <laughs> <laughs> if you were a full-time nazi and nazi zombies invaded you would fight on you would kill the nazi zombies because you would be against them totally of course if you're if you're a nazi out there <coughs> ruminate on yeah. that <laughs> i'm not wrong you would you would use your you, things against you, the nazi oh, zombies. Think on that <laughs> my goodness you don't need an ark to destroy them. Uh, so good anyway um yeah the crow ultimate revenge film yes uh so good in many ways um, do you know if there was multiple graphic novels like did they it was a series of i don't i i stopped so i don't know like i don't know what happened after but they... there was certainly more than one yeah it was a series it was like a series of comics and a graphic novel yeah it was it was more than oh, one little but did it just tell this whole movie story or no so the movie story is different because there was a character in uh the graphic novel that they didn't include in the movie and stuff like that so obviously you adapt these yeah yeah. yeah of course so you, you can't yeah. possibly especially so yeah but was the intent to cover the whole series or a big chunk of it or like uh, how pro- similar is it to the graphic novel series? Similar. 
Yeah. Uh, obviously, um, cinematic art, uh, based artistic. Based on a true and, comic. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it's one of those things. Right. So, but things change, right? It's well, like it's, you can't fit everything. In the Watchmen, in. there was some changes totally. made as well. Like yeah. it's, there's certain scenes that they didn't do the same. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, I really encourage people though, like if you're going to watch a film and you like a film and there is a graphic novel out there or a book, you should read it because it really gives you a nice perspective. Sometimes it ruins it. Sometimes it doesn't. And you're just like, okay, I appreciate that they couldn't put that but in. But I think I've, I stand by this for all, all things. Is yeah. You watch the movie first and then you read the book or a graphic novel or whatever later. Yeah. Because there's like, there's a movie, there's extended DVD and there's the extended, extended one uh-huh. that is going to be the book or graphic novel. So... You don't if you if you go the other way and you and you read the book you're going to be pissed off about the characters that they, or the they left that they out yeah. they merged these things and you're going to be like what are they doing changing things plus film has more immediacy to it and so you get that first that first watch through and like we're talking about multiple watch throughs of get delving down into the details yeah. the next level of the details is in a book the written thing lends itself more to that get into the character's thoughts get into more of the details there. it's so funny you, extended but it's extended. funny you say that because a lot of people would say read the book first and watch the movie so i can i can tell you that i like your i like your theory better i though. can tell you that like the my example with that specifically this is it's a weird one but it's harry potter just because of generationally yes that was the novels that i was like mm-hmm. i'm not a big reader Mm-hmm. And that was the novels that my parents were like, here, you should read this. Like, yeah. we want you to read because reading is important, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, fuck, okay, yeah. I'm going to read the book, right? But I had the movie and I'd seen the movie. So I had the characters. But eventually, like, the books came out before the movies came out because mm-hmm. the movies were based off the books. So I was ahead of the movies. So I had these characters yeah. in my mind. And then I was able to fill it's in a, very, a lot of the gaps. It's a different experience. And, even and, then, and the it thing. was the very, like, live experience for me reading the book. The imagination part was almost taken over by that is dane who is saying hello <laughs> hi um so that's one of those things so he's here with us had to happen yeah. during the crow one yeah, yeah that was that was a good one <laughs> so things are falling off in uh in the torvis podcast studio here so wow um yeah wow um yeah kind of threw me off there <laughs> not sure what to say hopefully this is not going to fall on me yeah so um you were saying? <laughs> uh, I don't remember. It doesn't no really idea. matter. Yeah. Uh, Harry Potter reading. You oh, should yeah, read, yeah, yeah. kids. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. But just how the experience, uh, it made the books better because I had seen a movie and had these images and these characters mm-hmm. really accurately and really detailed in my mind. Yeah. Like once you see somebody and you've seen that movie and you remember them and then you read a story about that character, that person, like Daniel Radcliffe is Harry Potter to me. Yeah, there's yeah. nothing else right like and yeah. that character and then I was reading those stories about Harry Potter and it was like Daniel Radcliffe doing it right yeah every other character too it was a very visual get, world but when you get the to the later the ones where you're reading the yeah. book before the movie it's a different experience you, you create there. your own environment yeah. and Which, it doesn't seem as accurate because you are doing you may have thought no, that yeah. Hermione looked way different yes. in your mind yeah. right and then it's like I can't that's not what I think yeah. she Sometimes looks like right compute, but it's exactly. a different experience the other way it's my clubhouse sandwich theory yeah you're absolutely right Yeah, it's clubhouse sandwich yeah. have I ever told you this you're, you're going to I'm, I'm going to so the clubhouse sandwich theory I, this is my own. I would doubt anyone else has ever thought of this. Eat a clubhouse sandwich, take a bite, flip it over, take another bite. It's a different experience. That's interesting. It tastes different. So if you watch huh. the movie first and then the book, or the book, then the movie. The order is important. The order, of, op- order of operations matter. That would be like 
eating a burger upside down the same thing. No, because a burger is the same. It's it's got. It's, it's well, not it's the uh, same. It is. I would argue that well, it's it depends not how you make your burger. I guess I put bacon and cheese on both sides. So, for me, <laughs> so I guess maybe for normal people, I guess you kind of work like that. But anyway, that's, that's a good point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. I guess for normal people that put like lettuce and tomatoes and stuff. I like mean, yeah, that. and you could design a clubhouse to taste the same depending on what your pattern yeah. was, right? Yeah, but you need a lot of layers for this yeah. to, to match, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, but I'm just I'm just saying it's 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 a thing. I, I get what you but mean. If, but I would have maybe said it's like a clubhouse. Imagine you change the order and you put the bacon on the outside and then you try and eat it. That's going to be a mess that no one's ever going to want to touch. And that's because the bacon and the grease and, and the tomatoes might be on the KFC outside. did that. They had like a two chicken strips oh, and fuck. and then something else. Like it was ridiculous. <laughs> anyway, this has nothing to do with <laughs> we, the crow. We go all over the place. <laughs> the crow at It's brought to you by KFC. <laughs> This has been the Torvis Podcast. We have been talking about The Crow. And everything else. We have been haunted by Dane. We really appreciate him uh, dropping in uh, on the uh, October 30th episode here. And we talked about clubhouses, Nazi zombies, uh, philosophy, revenge, and... Graphic novels. Graphic novels. Did we miss anything? I'm sure we can come up with some more stuff next time. Well, if you want a, uh, uh, I don't know, a smorgasbord of uh, stuff, just tune in. Uh, we'll bring it to you. You never so, know what you're going to get, and you can't always judge by the title. Mo- Monsters, Mayhem, Martial Arts, Motivation, 80s Flicks, Geeks, Vikings, you name it. That's the Torvus Podcast. Until next time, everyone, we really appreciate. And as we always say in the Torvus Podcast, keep, keep on, on geeking on. on.